Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering three conversations from episode 53, our preview of ASLD 2021. In this conversation, we covered the sessions on drug development that will take place on Sunday and Monday, and also the most interesting questions we'll find on Monday, and my final question, what one impression do you expect to leave this meeting with? The ASLD program is rich in all sorts of diverse, stimulating content. So sit back, listen, enjoy learn. And when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Jörn Schattenberg. I don't think we've mentioned the clinical trials of novel therapeutic session on Sunday yet. That's session 21. And just looking at the substances that are going to be presented there, there's one talk by Bio89 presenting their Phase 1b 2a study. There's something giving on berberin uh, UDCA, which I think is uh, interesting. UDCA being around in, in hepatology for quite some time now. An add-on salt of that, HTD1801. Uh, there's an abstract in statins and cirrhosis. Tropifexor data is going to present it. So the first uh, true combination study, the tandem uh, study, combination of tropifexor and senecrivirac. A fatted acid synthase inhibitor, TVBT2640, and, and of course another FXR agonist turn 101. Uh, so I think, you know, looking at the therapeutic uh, arena, there's a lot of uh, ex- exciting candidates there. But is there one of those papers that you think people might get a surprise from, knowing that you might not know the results, or that you think might have something interesting to say? Well, I think combination therapies have always been one aspect that has been thought about. And if, if you look at it, there's the two of those talks, you know, one combining the UDCA in a single molecule, as far as I understand, with a berberin, and then the tandem study, of course, it's a classical combination regimen and we'll have to wait for the presentation. But the concept of combination studies have always been discussed very intensively. I'm looking forward to those results and see what they tell us. Can somebody educate me a little bit? I looked at the Bio89 paper, and we've talked a little bit in recent weeks about spleen volume, but mostly there in the context of portal hypertension and cirrhosis. And here, it feels to me that it's, in fact, a NASH study. So help me understand how those three pieces, liver fat volume, pro-C3 level, spleen volume, might go together in a pre Patient. You know, the one thing I might want to say, and then I'll head it off to the colleagues, is that the spleen volume is not starting to increase at the cirrhotic stage, but you see an increase over the fibrosis stages. And there's been some good uh, studies by Massimo Pinsani in the past looking at spleen size. This is something we're seeing here. The disease doesn't start at the stage of cirrhosis. It's something that happens before that. You can pick it up with um, high-end imaging. Well, well done, Jorn. You cleared the table. Good job. We're still in Sunday. Any other comments on Sunday? Can I just think that it's going to be a very busy day for anybody wanting to be everywhere and all of these stellar talks. You know, I learned Manal is going to give the uh, NAFLD uh, wrap-up, and I think uh, she'll present all that data to us brilliantly again. Yeah, in 30 minutes, of course. I don't know how I can summarize this meeting in 30 minutes, but it'll be the make or break of my career, that's for sure. (laughs) I want to assure you that when you're done, I will give you a standing ovation. You won't be able to see it because we'll all be virtual. There is a session on Monday from 3 to 4.30 on experimental advances in NAFLD and NASH. One of the abstracts in there that dovetails very nicely into the Hans Popper lecture is that single-cell RNA sequencing data in mice identified hedgehog 
Hitchcock signaling in hepatocytes is a critical early event for NAFLD fibrosis, for human NAFLD. So this is a perfect, you know, epitome, and it comes from Anna Madeal's lab, where you can use single-cell RNA sequence to dovetail that with an animal model looking at disease pathogenesis and apply it to our understanding of human NAFLD and NASH progression. So the application of what we're going to be hearing about in the Hans Popper lecture has actually been applied to a primary pathway in fibrosis progression, hedgehog, which is proof of concept here that comes out in the experimental advances session. And there's certainly several other keen abstracts on hepatic macrophage-derived osteopontin and diet-induced NAFLD. We're going to lose Ken at the bottom of the hour. So, Ken, any last thoughts before you head off? Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I have to go back to clinic. They're calling me with some some issues there. But really, I think this liver meeting is going to be one of the better ones or best ones because it, we're really at a crossroads on the verge of making some breakthroughs in precision medicine, as Manal mentioned, consolidating some screening strategies and really a crosstalk across field as never before. So this is going to be an unforgettable meeting. And I wish I could stay and talk longer. I mean, there are emerging trends on Monday from the known to the new stuff. I, I, it's a very exciting meeting. Thank you, Roger, for having me. Nice to see you, Luis, Manal, and Jorn. The only big downer about this meeting is we won't have the pleasure of seeing each other in person. It's true. So, Ken, thank you very much. Uh, I hope you'll be joining our coverage at some point during the meeting, so that'll be great. So, the only comment I'm going to make, and then back to you, we're now where you were, as I was looking at the 6 o'clock Sunday session, not even Monday, I was remembering Jorn's comment about the third session of the postgrad. I'm thinking that Jorn was the guy who raised the idea that that was a good session. I think that only goes till 2 in the morning in Germany, if I remember correctly, or 1.30. Yorn's going to be awake for it. Yes, he will. So, Manal, you were going through a couple of other things you thought were really interesting in the in the event. We can go back to that. Yeah. Manal Abdelmalik. Now, I, I, I think I just wanted to highlight that experimental advances it has a lot of pertinence to this precision medicine and conceptual application and proof of concept, which really is, I think, where the field is turning. It's going to have a lot of pertinence to people such as myself who are clinical investigators. So we have to kind of wake up and see what's happening on the basic front so we can glean from it what to do right and what path to take when it comes to the application in clinical trials and for our patients. So let me turn to our other colleagues and ask what on Monday strikes you most strongly. Louise Campbell. Nine o'clock Eastern Standard, you've got the practice guidelines debrief for patients, which looks like it's a really strong session about advocacy, recommendations, palliative care. Obviously, I touched on palliative care with the ability to look at the progress and how disease goes and the opportunities to put in expert care earlier, even if it is more palliation, better knowledge. That looks like a really strong session between 9 and 10 in the morning. There are a couple of sessions. There's one that Donna Cryer is running on, I think it's Sunday morning, Grit and Determination. We obviously, we know her from Surfing Nash, but it's very rare that a large set of specialists get to hear from somebody who's 27 years transplanted and all of the problems or solutions that come with that. So her wealth of experience as a person and a patient beyond what she achieves for Global Liver Institute is something that we can learn from and it would be something that I would encourage a lot of students and medical students uh, to listen to because this is where we're dealing with behaviour going forward. You don't get exposed 
exposure to that in your training. She is such a wealth of knowledge and experience. That session on the Sunday morning, and I think it's nine o'clock again, will be a marvellous session for people learning their field and their trade to just listen to. Because I don't know many transplant patients 27 years on one organ, but that's a miraculous result for liver medicine to be able to do that with immunosuppressant and will and determination of a patient. I agree with Louise. I think this is a very important point. You know, looking at Monday, there is one Meet the Expert class that actually details post-transplant care in NASH patients, which I find is interesting because you single out this indication or potentially even the de novo occurrence of NASH in, in a transplanted liver for a different disease. Of course, it'll be interesting to learn how they how they address that. This is an area we haven't even started to think about. How do you deal with either recurrence or transplant de novo NASH, which is in a whole different patient setting and, and population. So it'll be interesting to, to hear that. Did we talk about Parallel 29, which was the NAFL to NASH management outcomes in the clinic session? I don't recall that we did, but I might have been asleep at the switch or paying attention to... You didn't. It was my next one. <laughs> so one of the things I find so interesting about it is that it's clear that we need to do a better job of understanding why it is that one patient's disease has a worse prognostic outcome than another. I mean, Alina was talking last week about the idea that two patients with identical FIB4s, if their KPAs are point and a half apart, they're a whole different story in terms of how you treat them. So what I'm fascinated about here is to the degree that we can do a better job of understanding how individual patients will fare by looking at these or some combination of these tests and different kinds of analyses. At an individual patient level, I think it has the potential to make care, even in advance of drugs, and certainly as drugs come, much more fruitful. Yeah, and in addition, Roger, and not only at the individual patient level, but this is going to be what providers, you know, outside of expert clinics are going to be using standard assessment fit for. Is this a cholestatic pattern versus a non-cholestatic pattern of injury? These are the tools they have out there. So I think they'll be used to manage patients in the majority of cases. The only thing I was going to say, I just brought it up to say, as if I got a last comment on Sunday, but you did it, it led you in nicely. That was kind <laughs> of you. I mean, given all the suffering my football team's having, at least you could do. So we'll go, we'll go to final comments, which is, I want to save Manal for last on this because she actually has the last voice in the meeting. If there's one impression that you expect you might walk away from this meeting with or an area where you really feel particularly enriched, what would that be? Um, I'll jump in. And I think it's from the language that's being used throughout the meeting. A lot of it before was always on NASH. We've got more sessions on NAFLD. So for me, it's the fact that it appears to be we're now looking at earlier in the time frame, we're targeting more NAFLD in the language that we're using. So it'll be interesting to see if that's where it goes for me, because obviously that's earlier intervention. That's looking at the fat content rather than just the NASH side. The earlier we get down the time point, that to me, it's just a general feel I've got from the wording of the sessions overall compared to the recent ours of last year and obviously the last two easels. So um, that's just the general feel. It's a softening of earlier looking and that I find quite exciting. I'd still say there's a lot of therapeutic uh, uh, talks. We're seeing a lot of early development programs being presented. The, the big phase three studies are, are actively enrolling but still we're seeing a lot of phase two coming after that and I think there's a lot of room for those compounds and that's very encouraging because again we haven't crossed the finish line yet and I think there's a lot of need for robust treatments potentially different treatments and different patients and all the things we're learning now so this makes me optimistic. Uh, in terms of drug development. 
here was mine. I was really sorry this became a virtual meeting because there's so much growth and so much stuff in so many different areas that the ability to have coffee tables and meals with friends and colleagues to take the different elements of what we're learning and try to roll them into a single frame. I'm a big fan of integrative thinking, as you know, and I would really have appreciated the opportunity to do that, particularly since in these situations, I almost entirely listen because you all know more than I do. I miss that. And instead, no pressure, Manal, it's going to be in the hands of one woman at the end of all this to take all that integrative thinking around Nash and put it together in a single place. So what should we be listening for? You know, if I if I can summarize this meeting in a, in a nutshell, yes, there are a few, a handful of phase two very important trials that are going to read out at this meeting. You know, the Alpine 2-3 study, the BMS Falcon 1 and 2 trial, the Novartis Atlas trial. We're going to see that. But what interestingly COVID did is kind of slowed down the momentum on a little bit on clinical trials and enrollment and getting patients into these studies that this meeting shifted a little bit to not being major impact clinical trials outcomes meeting because many of our phase three and, and many of the phase two trials are still ongoing. But what we are seeing is a shift to much more heavier data and science when it comes to genomics and genetics and gut microbiota, biomarkers, precision medicine, which is really a shift we needed. So while these very important trials are ongoing, we are being enriched with a lot of armamentarium so that looking forward, we can have more clarity of vision as to how to interpret maybe these ongoing studies, how to look at surrogate markers how to understand disease biology better such that we can design our upcoming trials in a stronger manner that leverages many of these platforms and this innovative science that we're going to see at this meeting. So while one element of ASLD may have taken a little bit of a back seat, I don't want to say it was diminished in any way. We're going to probably see it at upcoming meetings. I think what we're seeing here front and center is translational research. And so that's exciting. I think that should be the last word for the day. And then you get the last word at the meeting also. So you're going to get a lot of less words on this topic. I know. Well, they left me to do the debrief. I don't think anybody else wanted to take on the challenge. I must have been foolish enough just to say yes. So here I am. Well, you know, I'm happy to hear that because in situations like that, I always assume it's the person who runs slowest out of the room that gets caught. So the idea that you stepped up and wanted to say yes isn't in itself a huge step in the right direction. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next Wednesday, November 10th, to cover the groundbreaking patient-focused drug development externally-led session from last Thursday, November 4th. Donna Cryer, who led that session, will be with us along with some other event participants. It should be fascinating. Until then, stay safe, surf on, see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.